Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. You can be seated. You can be seated in the presence of Jesus. If you brought your Bible, let me hear you say amen. amen. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can say amen too. Amen. <laughs> can you get it out, please? Because I do not have a slide today. Uh, my, my graphic designer uh, was sick last minute, so I wasn't able to uh, provide you guys with a scripture slide today, a very creative scripture slide, but I want to ask you to get your Bible out and turn it to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read from Ephesians 4 verse 1 through 3, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 11 and read on to verse 16. So quite a bit of scripture today, but I'd love for you to follow along with me because I really feel like there's a lot of goodness embedded within these passages. So if you've got your Bible app or your physical Bible open to Ephesians 4, would you say amen, please? Amen. If you're not there, just say, wait a minute. Okay, there's a few of you. I'm going to wait on you just a moment longer. And if you don't have a Bible, just lean over and uh, share. All right. Are you hungry for a word from God? Lord, hear us today. We want you. We're hungry for you. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3 says, I'm reading from the NIV, by the way. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. See, some of you in here don't know that you've been called. But Paul is telling you that if you are a Christian, you have already received a calling. That you've been handpicked. You've been God-selected. And Jesus personally has called you. Can I hear you say amen? amen? If you're called, let me hear you say amen. amen. That's everybody in here, by the way. Paul explains this calling. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's good stuff. Ephesians 4 and 11 through 16 says, so Christ himself, notice he personally takes action. Jesus gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. There's that word unity a second time and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Somebody shout mature. mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Would you say that with me this morning? We will grow. Say it again, please. We will grow. To become in every respect the mature body. There's that word again as well, mature. Of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body joined and held together together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm going to enjoy speaking to you from the subject today. We will grow. Can we say it one more time, please? We will grow. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. We absolutely love your son, Jesus, who is the word of God. And we ask that Jesus Christ would personally minister to each and every one of us today. God, speak into our hearts, speak into our spirits, expand us, grow us, transform us, stretch us so that we might be a container for the very glory and beauty of Jesus Christ in the earth today. Do something special today. Do something unprecedented. Do something unexpected, we pray in Jesus' name. And if that fits for you, just say amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're called. You're called. This is how Paul starts this discourse. He says, every single Christian is called. He says, I want you to live a life that is worthy of the high calling that you have received. That means every single one of us in here today, if you are a Christian, you are called. You have received a calling. Now, when you hear somebody say that, or you say that over your neighbor, you're called. You immediately have to ask yourself, well, what am I called to, right? What is the calling that I have been giving? You are called. You're not called to stay stagnant if you're a believer. You're not called to stay stunted if you're a believer. You are called to grow. We will grow. Paul tells us emphatically that we are each called to grow. If you're a Christian, you are not called to stay in the same spot for years. You are called to grow. If you are a Christian, you are not called to stay gazing at the past, lamenting over your failures. You are called to grow into your future, looking ahead, knowing that the best is yet to come because Jesus always takes us from glory to glory to glory to growth to growth to growth. He expands our territory. He increases our favor. He stretches our spirit so that we can hold more of his love and give more of his love away. Now, this in contrast to the popular topic of today, personal growth and development. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but personal growth and development is trending at an all-time high. We have personal growth and development gurus. My mind goes to Tony Robbins, who I will uh, confess to listening to from time to time because Bless God, the man is encouraging. You know what I'm saying? I feel like when I hear from him, I can take on the world and do something great in my life, you know? We have success coaches. We have life coaches today. Some of these life coaches charge $1,000 an hour for you to get some consultation. I mean, people are hungry for growth. Our, our, Our generation wants to grow. They want to expand. And I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing. I think it's great that people want to get smarter. I think it's awesome that people want to get more effective with their career. I think that people, uh, people wanting to get more efficient with their time, I think that's good. What about you guys? That's a good thing. That's good. Personal growth, it's a good thing. 
I, I love that people want to grow in how they uh, manage people or how they influence people. All of these things, I think, are good. The only problem, though, with this current trend is that our personal growth and development culture doesn't usually have a good goal attached to their desire for growth. The goal is seemingly always this, more. When you say, oh, you're, you're, you're growing because you, you want to make more money. What's your goal? What's the bullseye? What's the target? Uh, more. Which is what keeps us in this cycle of always needing more. It's no longer a want. It becomes a need. And if we don't have more, then we're filled with anxiety and we get depressed. And then when we finally obtain the more that we thought would make us feel great about ourselves, we then realize that we need more to achieve the very feeling that we'd been pursuing perhaps for a decade. This whole idea of growth doesn't really have a goal attached. Maybe it's, well, I want to grow an influence and I want to be more influential. And what starts out as a good thing becomes a cycle of anxiety and shame when we try to build our influence online and obtain a certain number of followers or get a K behind our name and Instagram. And then when we finally get to that point, we're like, uh, more. I was expecting to feel peace when I reached this place, but I don't actually have satisfaction. I need more. There's no real goal for the growth, you know. It's just this arbitrary uh, benchmark uh, dimension level. It's like uh, I just, I, I just need more. I, I, I just, I just need more. And see, our culture is very good at needing more. We've actually come up with an excellent term to define what this attitude and behavior is. It's called consumerism. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but consumerism has also made its way into the church. <laughs> I'm not diving into that. I just don't have time to deal with that today. More. I need more. I want more. More of everything. Shoot, more of anything. I just want to become a collector of stuff because I need to acquire because my value is wrapped up in my stuff. We have revised the classic passage of the Lord is my shepherd. I shall want. This is how we live today, even as modern-day Christians, Jesus followers, we must have more. The goal is just more. But can I tell you that the calling that Paul was referring to is not a calling to be a consumer. 
Christ has not called you to become a Christian consumer. When Paul tells you that you are called to grow, he is not telling you that you are called to become a bigger consumer, a more efficient consumer, a more effective consumer, a more gifted consumer, a more talented consumer. That is not what Paul is referring to when he tells us that we are called. When he says, I want you to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received, the calling he's referring to is not the calling to consume. The calling he's referring to is not simply you just becoming a better person. It's good to become a better person. It's good to read some books and become better people. It's great to become a better citizen. But the calling that Paul is referring to is not to become more like a consumer. The calling that Paul is referring to is to become more like Christ. This is the calling that has been placed on all of our lives. It is a calling to become more like Jesus. It is a calling. Somebody say grow. grow. We will grow. It is a calling to grow, to constantly, to consistently grow and to become more like Jesus. Spiritual maturity is not found in your ability to quote scripture. Spiritual maturity is realized as you become more like the son of God, whose name is Jesus. We become more and more and more mature as we become more and more and more like Jesus. That's what true spiritual nourishment that leads to growth is, is becoming like Jesus. I know a lot of Christians that want to grow and they want to get bigger. But getting bigger isn't necessarily good. Growth is good when you bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, that is becoming more and more like Jesus, which is what Paul tells us that we're called to. He tells us that we're called. He gives us a list, a, a list of attributes, actually, just to ensure that we're not confused about the high calling that we have received. Because while the world doesn't really have a goal for growth, Jesus has a goal for your growth. God has a goal for your growth. He always has a bullseye. He always has a target, which is always to become more and more and more like Jesus. It's, it's not just about, uh, okay, I'm getting more. Okay, I need a little bit more. No, it's, okay, I'm becoming more like him. Okay, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Okay, I'm responding a little bit more like Christ. Okay, I'm behaving a little bit more like the Son of God. And so Paul gives us this list. He said it's this, humility. I could be more humble. I don't know about you. I could be more humble. He says it's this, it's gentleness. Oh, that's a big one. How often do we struggle with being gentle? But how great are we at being harsh? Patience, that's another one that he gives. How about this one, forbearance? Bearing with one another in love, the Bible says. Also, working hard to create unity and establish peace. That's the list that Paul gives us. He said, hey, here's your calling to become like this because this is what the son of God Jesus is like. And so you need to become like this. This is the calling. This is God's goal for your growth. This is the target. This is the bullseye. Get good at these things. Grow in these things. Become strong in these things. Become awesome at being humble. Man, that seems like the exact opposite of the spirit of culture. Become opposite at being gentle or awesome at being gentle. Become awesome at being gentle. 
Become awesome at working really hard to establish unity and to bring peace. Become awesome at being patient. Now, I realize you can grow in these attributes on your own. You can have your own version of private Christianity, and you can get a little more like Jesus day after day by listening to podcasts. But if we read a little bit further, Paul actually doesn't leave room for you to consume in isolation and then grow as a result. He says, no, 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 no. See, you don't grow uh, by consuming by yourself. Uh, you can grow when you listen to podcasts. You can grow uh, by watching sermons on YouTube. You can grow by having personal devotions. But some of the best growth that's going to happen in your life, Paul says, not me, is going to come in the context of community. And that's where he brings us in a step further. He says, hey, this high calling that you have, this calling to become like Jesus that you have, this is how it's going to happen in your life. It's going to happen as a result not only of peers that God has put in your life, not only of friends that God has put in your life, but he says as a result of the leaders that God has put in your life, because Jesus has given his church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, this is what we call the fivefold ministry, for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry so that the whole church would grow and become more unified and strong matching the head who is Jesus. Because the body of Christ is supposed to operate in proportion to the head, which is Jesus. God is not building a big caricature of the church. You guys know what I'm talking about. You go to the mall, you see a drawing, a caricature, and it's a huge head, a tiny body. I mean, that's how we think we should operate sometimes as a church. But God's goal for your growth is for his body as a whole to become big and strong and to mature so that it is fitting. So that it can hold up the head who is Jesus. That's what God is growing. That is his goal. And so he puts us in community and he puts leaders over our lives so that we can grow in humility. Now, I don't know about you guys, uh, but it's a lot harder to grow in humility all by myself, isolated, than it is with somebody giving me feedback and telling me what I'm doing wrong. Okay, nobody else in here, just me. Okay, it's cool, I understand. I didn't really expect a whole lot of amens from this portion of the sermon. And that's fine because I brought my own spirit of encouragement. <laughs> but that's what, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, look, this is, it's not going to come from isolated consuming. It's going to come in the context of community because you cannot study enough to be humble. You cannot listen to enough podcasts to become patient. You cannot read enough books to become gentle. And you cannot consume your way into forbearance. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. You need people around you because how many of you guys know we're called to crucify the flesh. But you cannot crucify yourself. Okay, let me get into this. So see, here's the thing. Like if I tried to crucify myself, I might be able to get the nails in my feet. It would be painful. It would take a little while. But once I made it through my feet, I could get another nail through one of my hands. But there is no way that I would be able to crucify myself. See, I would need you to drive in the other nail and 
put the flesh to death because I need the context of community in order to be completely crucified. You cannot... You can't achieve death to self in isolated consuming. I need you to offend me so that I can choose humility. I need you to get on my nerves so that I can learn how to be patient. I need you to talk bad about me. I need somebody to gossip about me from time to time so that I can receive this mysterious invitation from Jesus to become more like him. Yeah, every now and then, you know, people offend me. They, they, they speak about me. They gossip about me. They, they, they say things that are not true. And I am tempted to get off of the cross and get harsh with them. <laughs> but every now and then, you should just remind yourself that every time somebody gossips about you or spreads untrue information or says something that's only a half truth, it's just another strike of the hammer on the nail that's crucifying your flesh and giving you an opportunity to become more like him. Pastor Rick Warren said, I'm never more like Jesus than when I choose not to defend myself. Because when I choose not to defend myself, I grow in anointing. And I know you want to take to Facebook based upon what that person said about you the other day. And you want to, you know, film a vlog about it. And it's going to be 20 minutes long. The only person who's going to watch it is your aunt. You know, and I know you want to do that. But really, look, it's a mysterious invitation for you to become more like Jesus. And that's the high calling that you have received, which is why we need community, which is why we need leaders in our lives, because the leaders actually help point us in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. How do we become more like Jesus? I mean, obviously, yeah, it is humility, and that happens in the context of community and relationships and offense and honor and forgiveness and mercy and humility and all of those things. But what is the assignment of these leaders? If Jesus has put leaders in his church called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which is what we call the fivefold ministry, some of the leaders of the church, what is their goal? What is their aim? What is their goal for our growth? Because I can tell you this, it's not consuming. Because it says very plainly right there, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, hey, there are these leaders in your church. And I don't want you to think that you have appointed them or that they appointed themselves. It was Jesus Christ who has appointed and anointed them to be your shepherd. See, every now and then people say things on my Instagram about, you know, somebody said Allison was a, a, a self-appointed leader, I think, the other day. And I appreciate all of you guys jumping on that girl on her behalf because as pastors, we you know, need to be really nice and we can't say stuff when people say bad things about us, at least in public, we pray through it or complain through it uh, in private. And, um, but it's an opportunity to become more like Jesus. Amen. See, I remembered that and it threw me off. Where was I going with this point? Anyway, God bless those people. So uh, defending yourself. Yeah, all those things are all good. You guys are doing a good job taking notes. I like this. I like this church. Got a spirit of wisdom and forgiveness. Um, 
But see, that, that, honestly, though, my goal, at least, oh, no, I know where I was going. Thank you. Who said that? That was awesome. That was really good. See, what you have to remember, if you're a leader, man didn't put you there. Jesus put you there. Jesus appointed you, and he anointed you. Can't nobody take your platform from you because nobody gave it to you. Jesus is the one who put you in the position. You don't have to be scared or afraid or shrink back whenever you have an opportunity to lead because a leader didn't put you there. Yeah, they cooperated with the Holy Spirit and appointed you, but it was Jesus who put you there in the first place. So, you know, yeah, people may say things about me online or on Instagram, and, you know, I do bless those people with wisdom. I stop calling them stupid. I say, God bless them with wisdom because I feel like that's a more dignified and redemptive response. But... Right. Bless them with wisdom, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Leaders are called to equip. Everybody say equip. Equip the saints for, everybody say for. The work of the ministry. The ministry. Leaders are called to equip. What does that even mean, that word equip right there? That word equip right there actually means when you break it down and you look at it in the Greek, it actually means to move you towards a goal. It means to grow you. It means to develop you. It means to initiate something in you and expect a response back. That's what the Greek word means. Equip. So leaders are in your life to help you grow to become more like Jesus. So how do they do that exactly? If leaders are in your life to help you grow, they're there to grow you through the work. And you might be fascinated by this. At least I was. I looked it up in the Greek. And work, surprisingly in the Greek, did a little word study. It means work. <laughs> it means physical activity. I, I didn't expect a lot of amens on this, but <laughs> leaders in the church have an assignment from Jesus. Yeah. So how many of you guys know we just can't wad that up and throw in the trash because people are uncomfortable? That's right. well, you know, we don't want to push anybody. No, no, Jesus has spoken. He wants us to grow you by way of giving you an opportunity to work. Somebody say work. 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 In the ministry. Are you guys okay? Yeah. I don't want to have to resuscitate anybody, you know, but we will attempt to raise you from the dead. We will pray. For the work of the ministry. See, this word ministry is also very interesting in the Greek because it's the word diakonos, which is where we get our word for deacon from. How many of you guys know that elders, they lead with their words, and deacons lead with their works? And so deacons have assignments to work in the church and minister in the church. And this is where we get this picture in the book of Acts where uh, people were chosen to administrate the tables for the widows. In fact, the very word diakonos, the best illustration in the Greek is to wait tables. Who wants to wait tables? I mean, come on, man. I don't want to wait tables. When I wait tables, I don't become more like Jesus. I'm just earning $2.13 an hour. I'm earning less than, than, than minimum wage here, you know. I don't, I don't want to wait tables. 
But literally, I mean, I'm talking literally, guys. Leaders are in your life for this purpose, to grow you to work to wait tables. So whenever we say, hey, man, can you, uh, could you serve in kids? We're not trying to get slave labor out of you. We're trying to help you become more like Jesus. Hey, could you help us like in the parking lot before? Because we really want to park cars and make sure it's a great experience for new friends. Below me, bro. Below me. (laughs) I've been in church for 49 years. And nah, I'm more important than that. But see, when we respond like that to tasks that are seemingly below us, we actually reveal our immaturity. Because we're not like Jesus in that moment and we're not like Jesus in that area. If you want to look for maturity in the scriptures, you can look at the life of Jesus and you can ask yourself, okay, how is Jesus responding when he is asked to do things and asked not to consume? Because what you recognize when you examine the life of Jesus is that Jesus was never a consumer. Jesus was always a contributor. God's leaders always contribute before they consume. And you can tell how mature somebody is by how they jump in the front of the line when it's time to eat. Don't anybody nudge your husband. I see, you can always tell how mature somebody is by how willing they are to let somebody eat before them. Because leaders always contribute before they consume. They don't make church about their preferences or about how big they can become as a result of their consumption on Sunday morning. They come ready to contribute because contribution is a benchmark of maturity. And when I become mature in Christ, I don't only look to grow myself, but I look to grow you. Because God's saying, hey, you have a high calling and it is to grow. And I believe that there are more people than just a handful who are called to pioneer into the five-fold ministry and be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I believe there's supposed to be more than just a handful of church leaders administrating the tables. I think there's supposed to be a tribe, a family, a group a, a, of, of sons and daughters and brothers and sisters who don't just take on a corner on Gallatin and Seymour to serve at on Sunday morning at 9 and 11, but who take on a city and say, you know what? Because I have matured, I am willing to contribute to my city before I'm going to consume from my city. So I, as a leader, need to take the prophetic spirit of Jesus and the redemptive plan for this area and come in and go low. Yeah. Oh, that ain't mature. It ain't mature to serve. It ain't mature to wait tables. Well, where do we find maturity in the scripture? We find Luke chapter 22. Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus said this, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Who's more important? That's what Jesus asked. And he says, oh, it's the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves tables. You're looking for a picture of humility in the scriptures. You're looking for a picture of spiritual maturity in the scriptures. You're looking for a picture of growth in the scriptures. You won't find it 
with an illustration of consumption, you'll always find it in a picture of contribution. If you're looking for maturity in the Bible, we need not look no further than a man with 12 followers who stands up after supper, supper and he removes his jacket and he takes a towel and wraps it around his waist and he bends over filling a basin full of water and begins to wash the smelly feet of imperfect people. If you're looking for a picture of perfect maturity, you find it in the life of Jesus when he stoops down to wash dirty feet. See, that's the mystery of the kingdom of God. If you're interested in growing up, you gotta get good at stooping down. Because that's maturity. Growing up in the kingdom is stooping down to serve. Growing up in the spirit is stooping down to wash feet. Growing up in spiritual maturity is stooping down to sweep up a cigarette butt that's out in the front because people are going to be coming in 15 minutes and we want to make sure that the home is nice and tidy for people to come and have dinner. That is maturity. It's always contribution before consumption. It's always service, getting low, going slow, stooping down. And that is the way to growing up. So I don't know about you guys, but I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to be aggressive about my growth. I know that we were all excited in the beginning and, you know, we could talk about our e-courses and our books and our blogs and our podcasts and all the things that we listen to to get better and be bigger consumers and all that stuff. But what I'm interested in is where are the people who are willing to stoop down? We call ourselves Christians. How much like Christ do we want to become? Do we want to become like Christ enough to raise the dead? Do we want to become like Christ to get all the attention? Do we want to become like Christ to preach a good word? Or do we want to become like Christ long enough to suffer through the rejection and the ostr- ostracizing and the gossip and, and uh, the malignment and, and, the, and the best friend, you know, the one that follows you around for three years and then turns his back on you right after he robbed you? Do we want to go to that point of becoming like Jesus, to stoop down and to wash the dirty feet of some imperfect people we can never forget Jesus washed Judas feet all the same so whose feet are you going to wash right after they offend you because that is what Jesus is like that is what Jesus is doing that is what growth is in the kingdom of God so do you want to grow you got scared to say yes you don't know what I'm going to ask I'm not going to ask you all I'm going to ask you to do is stand up okay can you guys stand up please He says, hey, I don't want you to be infants anymore being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We, we all have that friend that's chosen nine careers uh, in, in three years. You know, we've all, we all have that friend that's like, you know, they're a Christian today, but then like next week they're, they're not. And, you know, they're Hindu. And then the next week they're a Muslim. And next week the Bible's not real. But then two years later, it's real again. And like, you know, and that is the evidence of immaturity and being tossed to and fro by the winds of doctrine and the philosophy of teachers with ill motives. But the stability and the strengthening of spiritual maturity comes through pursuing the character of Jesus and stooping down so that we can grow up. And can I tell you guys something? Um, If you are only willing to serve in the area that um, you want. Can I ask you to rethink that? Can I ask you to rethink it? Because I'm sure Jesus didn't enjoy washing Judas's feet, but he did it anyway. Yeah. And, and, and right now, here's what I know. And I, I'm sorry, I'm over time, you guys. I'm 
probably got to pick up our kids. Yeah. Okay. Father, forgive me. Okay. But, you know, I want to invite you guys to stoop down. I want to invite you guys to take off your nice and, uh, you know, perm-pressed uh, jacket that you wear on Sunday morning and, uh, and to get a little dirty with us in this season. Is that okay? Yeah. You guys want to grow? I wish I had a clipboard up here to sign up for kids ministry because I'd love to have an altar call. Because the equivalent of washing feet in the, in the, in the uh, in 2,000 years ago is probably uh, changing a poopy diaper, especially on the morning that my son's eating a lot of blueberries because So Father, we ask you to grow us, don't we church? We ask you to grow us. We ask you to help us. We want to stoop down so that we can grow up. Help us grow up, God. Help us mature, Lord. Help us bear fruit, God. Help us become more like you. We receive this calling today. We receive this calling today and we say yes and amen. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Philip to come up here real quick. For those of you guys who don't know, and this was not planned, by the way, we ended up doing this first service and I thought it was great. So we decided to do it again. But Pastor Philip is our team pastor and our team here is our servant leadership. And so today I thought it would be great to just give an opportunity for some response and activation. So I want to ask you guys if, uh, if in any way you feel like God I'm not saying being manipulated by a message. I'm saying if you're feeling that God is inviting you into a bit more service and you want to step out, we'd like to take the commitment to help you grow. Yeah. Right. We'd, we'd like to make a commitment to help you becoming more like Jesus, to seeing what's in you and calling it out and saying, you're a leader. God has called you. Become more like Jesus. Go for it. So if you want to do that, how do they do that, Pastor Philip? Yeah, it's funny. We we realized that in the first service uh, during his message. I was like, man, this is great because I had something planned for whenever I close service today.